Let's bow together in prayer as we come into our study of God's Word. Lord, we're looking forward to what you want to say to us today. I know this passage is loaded with a lot of practical stuff about living for Jesus today. A lot of confusion points get answered in this passage today. Open our hearts to the truth that you have for us. Bring the balance that is necessary. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, folks, life throws a lot of warnings at you. Some you heed, some not so much. A great example of this in trying to sort out the ones you should heed versus the one you shouldn't, a great example of this comes a few years back out in Kansas, uh, kind of a tornado area out there. Uh, yeah, uh, ac actually, that is the story. And over, uh, they were predicting hurricane and tornado storms in the area. They went into one particular mobile home park, uh, 225 plus mobile homes in that park. And so the authorities went in there knowing that the tornado was coming. They were announcing it on their vehicle loudspeaker systems. And people have heard this so much you can imagine what happened. One uh, uh, video recorder mounted on the dash of a police car just showed people walking around in the blowing winds as though life was normal, just going on. And the, the, the authorities were warning them to go underground into the shelter that was there for the mobile home park. It would hold hundreds and hundreds of people. Well, once the storm was over and everything settled, they found about 150 people in the uh, storm shelter, and the rest either were not at home or they chose to hold it out in their trailers, their mobile homes. And at the end of that, 13 people had died, and the tornado literally leveled 225 mobile homes. It was tragic. It's surprising that more people were not killed. Safety's available. Authorities are telling you, go there, and you say, been there, done this before, we're okay. And then it bites you. Warnings. We all get a lot of them in life, and in fact, that's part of the problem. There is a lot of warning coming at us today. But we tend to develop the idea, uh, I'll evaluate the warnings and decide which ones are important to me based on what I think. I don't think this will happen to me. I think I'm fine. I don't perceive risk. And then the bite comes. How does one know what is critically important in a warning and what is not? We are barraged with warnings. You drive a car, Driving down the road, you come to a stop sign or a stoplight, you know what they mean. Danger before you proceed with caution. When the light turns yellow and then turns red, you know what it means. Traffic is coming the other way. Stop sign, check for traffic other ways. Uh, some of you that smoke, you know on the side of the cigarette pack is a warning from the Surgeon General. And you know what it says. But alas, there are so many warnings coming at us, we just can't handle them all. We are warned about how to, how to handle telephone scams, and yet they come, and some still fall to them. We are warned about the products that we buy and the plastic bags that they are wrapped in. Don't put this plastic bag on your head. 
Don't let children do that. And one would think, well, who would ever do that? People do it. Warnings. How do you sort out what are the ones for you versus what are not for you? We are told to change our passwords monthly on our phones and on our computer systems and to have sophisticated passwords. How often do we do it? So many warnings coming at us all the time. It's just overwhelming. And we sort them out, and then one comes and burns us. And someone says, you were warned! Yeah! Along with 150 others in the last hour. It's hard. I've gotten to the point now that I really realize many of the warnings that we receive are not really coming for our good. They're coming for the liability of the company that makes them. Are you with me? I guess the classic example of that a number of years ago when the person picked up a coffee at McDonald's and it burned them and then they ended up spilling it on themselves and scorching themselves and they sued McDonald's and what did they get? A million dollars. So McDonald's prints on their cup, not for your safety, but for the few people who don't understand. Warning, you know, the content of this cup can be very hot. Really? How many people buy coffee and don't expect it to be hot? This was not about so much safety as liability, perhaps. So now we're even more concerned, and we're not sure what to do with some of these warnings. Today, we're looking back into the book that we're currently studying, Colossians, and there are three warnings. These are warnings you will want to heed. Don't pass them off. Some of you have had questions about these issues of warnings for years, and these warnings give you clear-cut direction on what to avoid. We're in Colossians chapter 2 today. I'm beginning to read at verse 16. The texts will be on the screen. Follow along as I read. Follow in your Bible, whatever. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you for the prize. Such a person goes into great detail about what he has seen, and his unspiritual mind puffs him up with idle notions. He has lost connection with the head, from whom the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God causes it to grow. Since you died with Christ to the basic principles of this world, why then do you still belong to it? Do you submit to its standards? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These are all destined to perish with use because they are based on human commands and teachings. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom, with their self-imposed worship, 
These, their false humility and their harsh uh, treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. I want to go back to the very first verse, the opening words of verse 16 that say, therefore, do not let anyone judge you. We'll get to it in a minute. This is actually the first warning in the passage. But before we get to that, I actually want to address the first word of the passage, therefore. A number of Bible students and teachers will often point out, what is, what is the therefore, therefore? Not just a pun, it's the idea that obviously with the word therefore, this is connected to something that's happened already, the text that we studied last week and the week before that. Paul is saying, as a result of what I've taught you, therefore, don't let anyone judge you. What was he teaching? The theme of this book is how Jesus is preeminent. He's above all. He is the most powerful. He's the most glorious. Why would you opt for anything else when you could have Jesus? That is the theme of the book of Colossians. So when Paul is talking here, he has been talking to us about the mystery of Christ, how our Christ Jesus came into this world to provide salvation. And the mystery of it was not just for the Jews, but for all the Gentiles as well. And this had been held back from so many people for so long. And Paul's introducing it as a mystery that is now clear to every one of us. Salvation is for all of us, Paul says. This is great, it's wonderful. And then he goes on and he talks, as we discussed last week, about the fullness of Christ. Why would you offer anything else in all the world when the fullness of Christ is there? And he picked that word fullness for a reason. Because it was used in the communities there at Colossae to talk about, oh, you can become more godlike in your life. If you go through this step and this step and this step and all these steps and you can become more godlike. Paul says, you don't need that. You already got the fullness of God, Christ in you. Jesus is God and he's in you. You don't need to become that. You got it already. That's what Paul's saying. Therefore, the ver therefore is there saying to us, as a result of knowing you have the fullness of Christ and Jew or Gentile, you all got salvation, don't go adopting these man-made religious rules. That's what Paul's after in this passage. How many times have you wondered the rules that Christians set that are not a part of the Bible? How much of a part does that play in you becoming more like Jesus? And the answer is... Zero. It doesn't. That's where Paul goes in this passage. Our faith is not about a bunch of man-made rules. Our faith is a relationship with the preeminent Lord Jesus Christ, who is above all and holds it all together. Now, with that background, we can jump into the first of three warnings that Paul gives us. He says in verse 16 and 17, don't let anyone judge you. Wow. World filled with judgment. Everybody's supposed to be free to do what they want, but everybody's judging everybody, aren't they? Paul says, therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or what you drink or 
with regards to the religious festival and the new moon celebrations or the Sabbath day. All kinds of stuff from holidays to what day we worship to what we eat and what we drink. People are making up rules, man-made religious rules. Paul says don't let anyone do that. Actually, in the Greek language that this passage was written in, this is a command. It's called an imperative. It means this is not optional. You are being warned. Don't let anybody do this to you. They will pass judgment on you. And they'll make you feel like a spiritual pygmy because you're not following their set of rules. You don't need it. You've got the preeminent Christ. He has freed you from this. Picking up on one of these things that he talks about here, the Sabbath, I, I've been observing my Sabbath on Fridays, my day off, and I really try to hold down my ministry activities and take time to rest and relax. Suppose I took that and made a man-made rule out of it and say, you're not spiritual unless you take a day off every week. And I make you feel small. I'm doing it, you're not. I make you feel small. See, man-made rules, that's what it does. And it has a way of robbing our peace and our joy in Christ. Best question to ask a person when they're putting those rules on you, where do you see that in the Bible? Where do you see that in the Bible? Let that question burn into your heart because that question pursues the preeminent Christ and the joy and the peace in following him rather than man, oh, I got to do this, man-made rules, I got to do this and I got to do this and that'll make me more spiritual and... No peace, no joy. That person just made you feel small. They built themselves up and they made you feel small. Man-made religious rules. On our screens here, we have underlined that first warning, do not let anyone judge you. Don't let them get away with it. Just live in your freedom in Christ. Look down at the second sentence here. These things that they're doing, these man-made rules, are but a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. If I superimpose on you, oh, you got to take a Sabbath every week. You're really spiritual if you do that. And if you don't, you're not. Hey, wait a minute. Christianity isn't lived by a set of rules. At best, the Sabbath will say, you know what? Your rest is in Christ. And someday you'll be with him and you will rest forever. You'll rest in him. The shadow of truth in the Sabbathing is found in the reality of Jesus Christ, the preeminent one. And that's the point. It's not about keeping the rules. Let those things just point you to the preeminent Christ, and that's where the peace and joy is. You're going to have your convictions about things. I'm going to have mine. Let's not superimpose them on each other. Now, if the Bible says something, we're all up for that one. But the tendency is for Christians and people outside the faith to make up their own set of rules, man-made religions. This passage is a warning against 
that. There's a second warning that goes beyond judging. It's actually a warning that's recorded in verses 18 and 19. It's about disqualifying you. If you let these man-made religious people, if you let them do it, they will disqualify you and make you feel disqualified. First warning, you felt judged. Now you're going to feel like, oh, I can't do that. I can't possibly. Look at verse 18. Do not let anyone who delights in their false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you for the prize. The term disqualified here is often used as a sports term where the referee says, you're disqualified. You can't participate anymore. And so often this is exactly what people with man-made rules want to make you. They want to feel like they're doing something great and you're not. Don't let them feel, make you feel like you're disqualified. Look at the verse more closely as it speaks of the uh, false humility and the worship of angels, and that was something that was going on in Colossae at the time, and people were caught up with angels. Could you picture it today? A little different in our culture, but people, I saw an angel. Oh, you, you must be really spiritual. I wish I could. I've never seen it. I feel disqualified. Last night checked in, Angels weren't given to us to thrill our hearts. We have a preeminent Christ. Angels are God's messengers to serve us. Don't pay attention to the servants. Pay attention to Christ. Paul is saying, look at that false humility and that worship of angels. They just want to disqualify you for the prize. Such a person goes into great detail about what he or she has seen and how the unspiritual mind puffs him up with idle notions. Oh, they'll tell you their story and they'll enjoy it. And they'll get a lot of mileage out of that and it makes you feel smaller and smaller and you're becoming that little spiritual pygmy as you feel more and more disqualified. Oh, I'm never going to be as good as them. Don't play that game. Don't let them judge you. Don't let them disqualify you. Because as Paul says, puff themselves up with idle notions. The idea here is not going out. You ever seen an idling car? You know that car's got a lot of punch and it can go if you press on the gas and put the transmission in forward. But it's just idling. It's going nowhere. That's what this does. It goes nowhere. And it's just making you feel less and less because you're following man-made rules and your joy and your peace leaves. It hurts. Actually, if you look at the next verse, verse 19, this person that does that has lost connection with the head. Notice how head is capitalized. You know who that means, don't you? It's Jesus. This person that sounds so spiritual with the rules and making you feel like a pygmy and so on, he has lost connection with Christ. 
from whom the whole body is supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews and grows as God causes it to grow. This really sounds like Colossians chapter 1, verse 17. If you remember, when we studied that verse, he is before all, and him all, all things hold together. It's Christ that holds the faith together. It's Christ that holds life together. It's Christ that makes the faith work. It's not man-made rules. People with their man-made rules have lost focus on the head who holds it together. Don't let them feel, make you feel judged or make you feel disqualified. Just keep following the preeminent Christ. You'll be glad that you did. Christian faith is not about a bunch of rules. Perish the church that teaches it is. Yes, we're talking about a vital relationship with the preeminent Christ. And there are things he has communicated to us in the word that we want to be faithful about. But when people are making up rules beyond that, uh-uh, we're not going there. If they want to have that before God, they'll stand and be judged by God. That's that fine for them. As you will, follow what the master has said. Don't let them feel, make you feel judged or disqualified. There's a third warning. It's in verse 20. Don't let others enslave you. Look carefully here at the wording of verse 20 and following. Since you died with Christ, you have died to what you want in your life. You're living to a new preeminent Christ in your life. You're a different person. Since you've died with Christ to the basic principles of this world, why, as though you why live as though you still belong to it? You submit to those rules, man-made rules. Do not handle, do not touch, do not taste, do not touch. Don't do this, don't do that, don't do this. Don't do that. Paul continues and he says, these are all destined to perish with use because they are based on human commands and teachings. Human developed rules on how to live the Christian faith. You follow that, you are destined to perish. Have you noticed within the Christian faith in your years that there are always people who develop rules and regulations? Sometimes it's about certain things that you are to eat or that you're not to eat. Sometimes it's about what you drink. Don't drink caffeine beverages. Don't drink alcohol. How you dress the length of your hair, the body markings on your... And I'm, I understand people have opinions. 
People tell you that that body marking you have is not right, and and they want to make you feel judged and disqualified, and you, you have to be enslaved to their list of rules. Certain activities and where you go for movies or entertainment, what you watch in your homes, and certain kinds of music, Christians don't do that. And with all of that goes your peace and your joy as you decide to follow their set of rules to achieve holiness. Last I knew, God sets the rules for holiness. People do not. This is hard for many people, many Christians. They find a respected Christian leader who is setting rules and they think, well, I have to do that, I guess, to be a a good Christian. And their concentration, instead of a relationship with Christ, begins to follow a person who has said, these are the things you must do. And they can't keep it all up. And they feel judged and disqualified and enslaved to their inability to do it. Paul says in verse 23 that these things lack any value. He says, such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom. Oh, they seem so wise and so godly with all of their self-imposed worship, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body. But they lack any value. This will not get you to where you want to be in your walk with Jesus. And don't miss the last part. They lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. Have you noticed people that make the lists of do's and don'ts then begin to stop focusing on what God has clearly told us in Scripture. Watch their lives. Do they covet? Do they gossip? Is their anger out of control? Is there bitterness in their lives? Is there a lack of forgiveness? Does lust reign in their heart? Watch them. Are they more focused on keeping their man-made rules? or on what the preeminent Christ has said. They lack any value, these things, in restraining sensual indulgence. Many years ago, I attended a great Bible college. It's in this area. I now teach a class or two there each semester. As I, taught, as I was a student in that school, There were lists of do's and don'ts. I thought they were there to make us better Christians. Silly me. That was not their purpose. But some of the rules of that college were things about how short girls' dresses and skirts could be, how long a boy's hair could be. And we were never to go to places of public movies because to go there and buy a ticket is supporting that place, and a lot of what happens there is not holy. And then the confusion came. 
a Christian movie came out and we were encouraged to go to those movie houses and buy our tickets and watch the Christian movie. And I thought, so it's okay to go for a Christian movie and support that place, but not to support it otherwise. I don't understand. And then a new committee was formed in the university where the standards for length of hair and length of dress began to change. And I thought, wait a minute, I thought the standards of holiness were that. Who changed that? God didn't change that. And that was never their intent to produce holiness in our lives. Their intent was different. Have you allowed anyone or any group of people in your lives to suggest a certain series of rules will make you more godly? If so, you have probably felt the frustration. You may have sensed judgment toward yourself. You may have sensed that you've been disqualified because you just can't do it. And you feel enslaved by those rules. The peace and the joy is gone. Your preeminent Christ now feels more distant because he has been replaced by human rules. I urge you, as Paul says, therefore, don't let anyone judge you on the man-made issues. Now, if God has said it, follow it. But the man-made stuff, don't let them convince you that, yo, you're just disqual you're, you're, you're a low-level Christian at best. Don't become enslaved to their rules. Christ wants you free in him, in a relationship with the preeminent Christ of the universe, not following a list of human-made rules. He sets the standards of holiness. People do not. As we wrap this up today, would you please examine your walk with Christ? Are you focused on the preeminent Christ? Or are you focused on human-made religious ideas and standards? To go along with this, if you are here today, perhaps you have bitten off the idea of human standards. Oh, you have to be good enough to get to heaven. No one can be good enough to get into heaven is what the Bible teaches. But people are still teaching, you can be good enough to get to heaven, do enough good things and you'll get there. You'll feel enslaved to that. You will definitely be in bondage and you will find yourself disqualified and wondering if you've done enough and you will judge yourself and others will judge you. But alas, the preeminent Christ has spoken on this issue. Your sin has to be judged. It has to be dealt with in order for you to get into heaven. This preeminent Lord Jesus Christ came into this world God himself in human flesh, and he died. He took the punishment for your sins, and he offers you the gift of eternal life. 
freedom. No bondage to your sin. Oh, I got to do more to overcome what I did. You can't overcome it. That is the fallacy of man-made religion. Salvation is a gift from God. It must only be received. You can't earn it. Would you bow your heads with me, please, today? If you are here online with us or in the room, and you've never made that decision to trust in Him and Him alone for salvation, we now lead, leave man-made religious ideas, and we choose together to follow the preeminent Christ. He loves you, and He's died for your sin. There is no need to follow man-made rules but to experience the gift of salvation in Jesus Christ. Will you talk to him right now and say, oh Lord, I followed other people's rules. Now I'm coming to you. I tell him you know he loves you. Tell him you understand Jesus died and was punished for your sin. Ask him to forgive you and he will give you his gift of salvation. Thank you, our Father, for the freedom in Christ. Keep us from following human tradition and man-made rules. Keep us pursuing a vital relationship with the living Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for the peace and the freedom that brings us the joy, and may each of us look to you for standards of holiness rather than those around us. Thank you in Jesus' name, amen.